And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. I heard somebody say uh, one time that, that any family that has more than one person in it is a dysfunctional family. And I, I would kind of tend to, to agree a little bit. I mean, in my kind of living, I'm 45 years old and I've kind of learned that, um, that really families are kind of like fudge, like they're mostly sweet with a few nuts. Um, and so today, boy, that joke just like crashed and burned. Either I said it too quick or it just wasn't funny. Oh, I can't tell. Like, come on. This is... This is surviving my crazy family. Let's not be the crazy ones here today. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about God's Word. And this is, um, this I want to really kind of have a little bit of fun and kind of help us um, as we go into the holidays uh, to be able to kind of navigate some of the relationships that, uh, that we experience. And so let's invite, um, let's invite the Holy Spirit into this time. I believe He wants to share some things with us, even though we're having a little bit of fun with the, with the topic. But let's invite the Holy Spirit um, into this moment with us as we did into his word. Would you say this out loud with me? Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to kind of set the scene just a little bit, and I want you to kind of picture this in your mind. Like you've brought out all of the, the fine china and, and the silverware, and you've got it all on the table. And if you're like our family, you've got multiple tables. You know, you've got kids' tables, and then you've got the big family kind of adult table. And, and so you've got all this kind of fine china and silver out. I mean, it, it's, it's the stuff that kind of has a little bit of a stench to it because you haven't used it in a year, right? And, um, and so you've got all of this kind of set out. You can, you can smell the the turkey through the house, like it's just, it's permeating. Maybe it's a ham or whatever. You've got all the fresh garland just draped all over the living room and around the TV and the bookshelves. The Christmas tree, oh, the Christmas tree. It is just, it's beautifully, and you're like, Thanksgiving Christmas tree, yeah. As soon as, uh, as soon as Halloween's over, it's Christmas time, right? With a couple days of Thanksgiving celebration. But you got the Christmas tree up and it's got the lights that are just beautiful and kind of twinkling everywhere. And you've even got all of those really ugly ornaments that you have to put up every year because your kids made them in kindergarten or first grade, right? Yep, sorry kids. Um, you got a little bit of uh, Michael Buble Christmas music on the surround sound, kind of playing um, in the room, and then all of a sudden it happens. You hear a car door shut, and you look around the living room, and you're just making sure that all the final things are tidied up. You fluff a couple pillows, and then you begin to think to yourself, why in the world did I offer to have everybody come over to my house, right? And then you walk towards the front door, and it happens, knock, knock, knock. And you open the door and all these family members come pouring into your house and the volume of the home increases. Everybody's kind of talking loud and just having a good old time. And then it starts happening. 
Like you, co- you totally think that, that you're going to make it this year with nothing happening, and then it happens. Your niece shows up with her two cats. Uninvited, the cats are uninvited, but they end up showing up, and they're all over the countertop in the kitchen licking on the food that everybody's about to eat, right? Your aunt is in the living room, and she yells at you across the room, like, why did you put your garland all up like this? Don't you know that I know where to get the garland and how to do it? It makes your TV look unhappy. Like... How does Garland make a TV look unhappy? I don't know. But anyway, and so she's saying that she begins to kind of take it down and began to decorate your living room the way that she thinks that it should be. And you just kind of, you kind of take a deep breath and you're just kind of walking away from the moment, just trying to process a little bit, right? And then your eye catches your uncle. Your uncle has obviously started the party way too early because he's talking twice as loud as everybody else in the room. And then you catch, you overhear like the whispers of your cousin on the other side of the house. And and she's talking about how you obviously have not followed through on your New Year's resolution because you look a little heavier around the midsection than you did last year. And the word comes from the kitchen, like it's time to eat. And you're thinking, oh, thank the Lord. Like everybody's mouth is going to be full with food. And so you ain't got to deal with anything. And then all of a sudden you're around the table and you're eating and your sister starts talking about her love life, sharing way more details than anybody's interested in hearing. Grandma kind of gives you a backhanded compliment about your casserole. She says, man, this is almost as good as my best friend Wilma's casserole. And then your mom. Oh, you love mom. You love mom. But when she says that, man, this year's turkey is way more juicier than last year's turkey, then you just start to get a little, a little frustrated. And then dad does what dad always does, right? He shouts across the table, He says, so what did you guys think of the election? (laughs) I don't know about you, maybe the names aren't the same, maybe the responses aren't the same, but I think the tension oftentimes is the same, that it feels the same. And the reason why that tension feels the same is because, listen, folks, there is no vaccine for crazy, right? There is no vaccine for crazy, But check this out, we are in good company because Jesus had some crazy people in his life. He had to deal with some crazy people in his life. And despite the crazy people that Jesus had to deal with, this is what we see in scripture is that Jesus never let their crazy change his character. And that is my hope for all of us as we began to ease our way into the holiday season is that that other people's crazy doesn't begin to impact our character. And so today I want to share just 10. They're kind of, I know 10 sounds like a lot. Um, I felt like 100 was a little too much. Um, but uh, we're going to do 10 today, and I'm going to move through them kind of quickly. But 10 kind of biblical tips to help us survive our crazy family this holiday season. So here we go. Number one, if you're taking notes, you can't try to change them. You can't try to change them. If you want to see crazy go to a whole new level, try to change your family. Amen? Like it just don't work. 
In 25 years of me following the Lord and reading Scripture, I have never come across any verse anywhere that has told me that my job is to change people. I haven't seen it anywhere. And I think the reason why God never gave us the the responsibility to change people is He knows that every time we try to do it, we make a mess of everything, don't we? And so we see in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1, it says that the king's heart It's not in our hand. It's not in our hand. It's in the hand of the Lord. In other words, only God is the one that can transform a person's heart. So you and I, like if we, we don't need to have those aspirations going into to dinner in a few days or in a few weeks with, with this idea that we're going to go Oprah on somebody, like it's not going to work. She's good, but it's not going to work. Don't try to change anybody. Number two. Understand, this is a big one, understand that they are living a story that you haven't read all the chapters to. They're living a story that you and I haven't read all the chapters to, that you're going to have family members this holiday season that are walking through some things in their life that you have no idea what they're facing. There's a good chance, as all of us have, have kind of navigated through the last couple years, there's a good chance that they too have experienced some loss and anxiety this year, that they too have had moments of loneliness and feelings of emptiness, that they have been overwhelmed because they've lost some family members or close friends or remorse from the past, or maybe they've lost their job. Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 through 14 tells us, so chosen by God for this new life of love, look what it says for us to do, to dress in the wardrobe that God picked out for us. Like there is a wardrobe that God wants us to wear in our everyday lives. And what I find interesting about that is that there is a choice behind it. You and I have a choice of whether or not we're going to dress ourselves in this wardrobe or not. And it says this, that the wardrobe, that it's compassion, that it's kindness, that it's humility, it's quiet strength, it's discipline. It says be even-tempered, content with second place. In other words, don't try to win the argument, right? Content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. That it's your basic all-purpose garment. And he says, never be without it. Number three, third tip. Remember that you and I can be a little crazy too. I mean, come on. There's a little bit of crazy in all of us. And I'll tell you this from my own experience, that the craziness tends to seep out of me when I've got some some repressed, when I've got some hurt feelings, some unforgiveness in my own life. Like maybe you're walking into a situation with family this weekend or over Christmas and there's been some family members that have hurt you. They've done some things. They've said some things. And they may not even know that they've done it. They may not even realize the significance of the words that they shared. But for you, it's been something that you've been holding on to for months, if not holding on to since the last time that you guys got together. You know, I think it's important for us all to 
to understand that there's a little bit of crazy in all of us. And so what do we do? Well, we, we go into these environments first having examined our own hearts. Like taking a look inside of our own heart. Like what are some things in us that needs to change? What are some hurts? What are some areas in our life that, that we need to let go? Look with me in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 3. It says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? I don't like that verse, but it's there. Verse four, how can you think of saying to a friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when, when you can't see past the log that's in your own? Listen, before we step into somebody's house or, or an environment this holiday season, and we step in and, and we step in with, with kind of being selfish or, 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 or thinking that they're critical or selfish or judgmental towards us, like maybe we should examine ourselves a little bit and realize that there are some times that we're selfish, that there are some times that we're overly critical, that there are some times in our own life that we are judgmental. So allow the reality that you too struggle with that. You too have a little bit of crazy in you. Let that slow your roll just a little bit this holiday season. Number four, prepare yourself ahead of time. It never hurts to prepare yourself ahead of time. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23 tells us to guard our heart and to do it above all else for it determines the course of our life. In other words, what we allow in here, what we allow to take resident, residency within our heart, the, the hurt, the disappointments, the, the, the times that we have had expectations of others that have, have fallen short, like all of that stuff, if we allow it into our heart, the Bible says that it determines the course of our life. Like there is, there is no way that we can have malice or, or unforgiveness or hatred or bitterness in our heart and it not disrupt the course of our life. Like it's impossible for us to have those things in our life and still be going hard after God, right? It, it, we can't be going in two different directions. And so we've got to guard our heart. And one of the reasons why it's important for us to do that is because the truth is, is that hurt people, well, they hurt people. Hurt people end up hurting people. And so before you step into a Christmas party or a Thanksgiving party, and before you end up saying some things that you're going to regret for the entire next year, slow yourself down just a little bit and prepare yourself ahead of time. We see in Ephesians chapter 6 what that preparation ahead of time looks like. That it says in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 10 and 11, instructs us to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It says to put on all of God's armor, not just a few parts, not just whatever parts you want, but put on all of God's armor. And you can read of what all of that armor is there in Ephesians chapter six later this week, but put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Number six, or number five, sorry. Number five, have realistic expectations. You got to go into the holiday season with some realistic 
expectations. Look at this up on the screens. Frustration, well, it's born when our expectation doesn't line up with our experience. When we have an expectation on somebody, but they don't perform, they don't don't carry out whatever responsibilities or whatever the way that we had hoped that they would, that that creates frustration in our lives. In Psalm chapter uh, 118, verse 8, tells us this, that it's better to take refuge in the Lord than it is to trust in people. In other words, people are going to let us down. Like they're going to fall short. Like if you're somebody like me, like I, I tend to have high expectations and, uh, and they're going to let you down. Like if you're setting, especially if you're setting expectations for other people that you don't set for yourself. Right? Like why are they critical all the time? But then we're over here critical, like in our conversations, right? Like they need to let that go. Right? It's been a year. It's been two years. They need to let that go. And we're like holding on to whatever happened three months ago. Right? Like we've got to take our refuge in the Lord because people are going to let us down. Just because you made some positive changes this past year doesn't mean everybody's made some positive changes this past year. So easy on the expectations. In fact, I'm, I'm kind of a natural pessimist. Um, is there anybody else that's always like a glass half empty kind of person? Um, <laughs> like five of us. Um, man, we must be a really encouraging church here. Uh, <laughs> for all five of you, I've got an interesting statement that I, I've kind of lived my own life kind of after. Listen, if you expect the worst in people, you'll never be disappointed, right? <laughs> Don't anybody tweet that or anything. That's not. <laughs> Number six, don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. <laughs> oh, I've learned, all right, that crazy people are drawn to drama, right? They're never happy living in the drama all by themselves. They always need some company. So don't take the bait. Proverbs 10, 19 says, too much talk, what does it do? It leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Like, there are some times, and I've had to learn this through the years, there's just some times that the best thing that I can say is nothing at all, right? Proverbs 14, 29, people with understanding that they control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. So don't allow things that that people are saying. Don't allow what what they're kind of nitpicking at. Don't allow when, when, when the aunt goes into your house and redoes all the garland in the living room because she thinks it makes the, the, the TV look unhappy. Don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. Number seven, avoid the family gossip. Every family, listen, every family's got cliques. And every family has got these cliques that talk about other people in the family and what annoys them, right? We all got them. Don't get caught up in all that. Like what we see in Scripture, the bottom line is that gossip is destructive. That it doesn't build unity within your family. Gossip doesn't, doesn't honor God with our lives. Like even if it's, even if it's disguised as a prayer request... Right? Right? Look what James said. This is, all right, 
This was a hard one. James said in chapter 1, verse 26, that if we claim to be religious, but we don't control our tongue, that we're fooling ourselves and our religion is worthless. Like he ain't playing, he's not like playing any games with this. He's saying, all right, if you're going to wear the Christian hat in your life, if you're going to wear it on Sundays and all that stuff, don't be showing up to work. Don't be showing up to, to family events and stirring all kinds of drama and problems and allowing your, your words to be loose with what you say. Because if that is you, your religion, in other words, your witness to them is worthless. Like there's something when we allow our words to get out, when we begin to gossip and to talk about other people, when we do that, it undermines our credibility as followers of Christ. And so James, he, yeah, I mean, he's, he's quick to call that out because he understands that that's one of the quickest ways that you and I can lose our witness as followers of Christ is when we portray ourselves to be one way here, but then when we are in our little circles of two or three people and we're talking about other people in a negative light, that it ruins our witness. So friend, don't allow yourself to be sucked into that this holiday season. Proverbs 26.20 tells us that fire goes out without wood. Well, yeah, that's kind of, I mean, that makes sense. But he compares that to the fact that corals disappear when gossip stops. So let's not gossip this holiday season. Number eight, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Quick to listen and slow to speak. Take a look at this. In our culture, the focus is more on speaking our truth. The art of listening has fallen by the wayside. That we have got to be slower to respond and quicker to listen. That yes, it's healthy to express ourselves. Yes, it's healthy to kind of share what we're feeling, but it's healthy when it's done in the right tone, with the right heart, in the right environment. I mean, it's just important, if not more important, what, what we're being told here in Scripture for us to take a moment and to pause and to listen, like to truly listen to family members, listen to what they have been walking through, listen to what they've been facing, even if they frustrate us and drive us crazy, because there is an opportunity for us to be able to hear, like to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to allow the Holy Spirit to use us in a moment to be able to speak life and encouragement to the situation. In James chapter 1, uh, verse 19, James says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, that you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And I think sometimes you and I, we've got that backwards, right? And there is this challenge from Scripture to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Proverbs 18, 2 says, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Number nine, we're almost done. Two more. Number nine, don't write them off. We, we've got uh, our niece, uh, her name's Hannah, and she's older now. Uh, but when she was like, I don't know, six, seven, eight years old, 
uh, we were at a restaurant and um, all the family was around the table and it was probably a Thanksgiving or something, I don't know, but all the family was kind of together and we were around the table and, and eating and, and she's like, she's tiny, right? Six, seven, whatever. And she's going around the room and she's looking at each one with a finger pointed and she's like, you're okay? You're okay? I X you out? You okay? I X you out. <laughs> and, and what was funny about the whole thing is like at first we didn't know what was going on and then, it, and then we realized that she's Xing family members out. <laughs> Listen, let's not X family members out this holiday season. Look at this on the screen. Don't be so blinded by who people used to be that you can't see who God wants them to be. Listen, God's got a call. God loves everybody. He loves them as much as he loves you. He's got a purpose and a plan for their life as much as he has a purpose and a plan for your life. So don't just go in there Xing people out and, 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 and all of that, but go in there with the idea, the understanding is that, that God wants to extend to them what he has extended to you and that you get to be an opportunity uh, to be a witness of that, to be able to share that with other people. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through uh, 47. It says, you've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus says, I say, which means he's taking it a step further. He's saying, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That in that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. The fact that he says true children means that there could be some false children. And so he's like, if you're going to be a true children of mine, that you're going to love everybody. You're going to love your enemies. You're going to love those that speak negative about you. Love those that even don't want the best for you, that you're going to love them. He says in verse 46, that if you love only those who love you, what reward is there in that? That even the corrupt tax collectors do that much. That if you are kind only to your friends, how are you any different than anyone else? That even pagans do that. And then number 10, the last one, probably the biggest one of all, is this, is you've got to love them no matter what. No matter what. You know, I want to let some of you off the hook today because I think there's something very interesting that we see in Scripture. And, and it's this, that Jesus doesn't command us to like everyone. <laughs> but he does command us to love everyone. It doesn't mean you got to go into... This dinner, this holiday season, you got to like all your family members, but it does mean that you've got to love all your family members. You see, the difference between the two is that liking is a feeling. It's something that when you're around them, when you spend time with them, there's, there's a chemistry that's there. There's, there's, you enjoy the fellowship. It's, it's all connected to feeling, but love, the biblical kind of love has nothing to do with feeling that it has everything to do with choice. Like you're gonna make a choice despite the feelings that you have. That you're gonna be kind to people, that you're gonna think kind thoughts towards people. 
In Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 28, it says, But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you and bless those who curse you. And pray for those who hurt you. You know, I think loving people that we don't like is probably one of the hardest things that that we have to do in life as followers of Christ. But I've learned that we are never more like Christ and never more in his will for our lives than when we love people no matter what. And the reason why that's important for all of us is because Jesus loved us more that way. That Jesus loved us no matter what. That for me, as a college student that was caught up living my own life, doing my own thing, where everything in my life revolved around me, that Jesus loved me no matter what. That as I began to follow him and I made mistakes along the way and I did things that, that he wouldn't want me to do and wasn't pleased of, that he loved me no matter what. And friend, as you step into the rooms with your family members this holiday season, Jesus loves them no matter what. In Romans chapter 8, verse 35, it says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Can it? Can anything ever separate us? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? In other words, like, what is your thing? Like, what is your thing that, that you would fill into that blank that you think disqualifies you from God's love in your life? And Paul says, no, despite all of those things, despite anything that you could put in that blank, he says, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I love how Paul puts it in verse 38. He says, listen, I'm convinced. Like he's like, I've been there. I've let God down, I've done bad things, but I am convinced in my life that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. That neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. That no power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Friend, Jesus loves your family members no matter what, but he also loves you no matter what. And before we can bring transformation into our family's lives, we have to experience transformation in our own lives. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, man, this is going to be great. I get to kind of figure out like how to deal with all of those crazy people in my family. But yes, that's part of it. But you'll notice in every one of these points that it's not about the other person. It's about how we choose to respond and to step into the moment. 
And friend, that can't happen without the power of the Holy Spirit operating in our lives. You and I don't have the power to love somebody despite all the things that they do to us. We don't have that power. It is the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives that allows us to live the way that God has called us to live. This morning, if you'd bow your head and close your eyes, maybe you're here today. And maybe out of everything that we've talked about and everything that you've seen today in the service, maybe the one thing that has stirred your heart the most is this one reality that God loves you no matter what. Maybe you're in the room today, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're listening in your car and the podcast this week and you'd say, Ryan, before I can get all that other stuff right, I need to get my own heart right. This morning, I just, I feel such a, a distance from God. I, I, I want to I wanna say that I love God, but I just don't, I don't feel Him. I, I don't know where my relationship with, with Him is. You know, one of the ways that I think you can evaluate that in your own life is, is God an afterthought in your life or is He the first thought? When it comes to your decision making, do you make decisions based off of what you want or do you make decisions based off of what God wants? Listen, friend, God loves you no matter what. This morning, I believe that it's a divine appointment that you are sensing right now in this moment that God is wanting to set your course in a new direction. And I want to lead you in that prayer today. With every head bowed and eye closed, I'm not going to ask you to stand or come forward, but right there where you're seated, if you feel like, Ryan, this is the time for me to take the step towards Jesus. I want to close the gap. I want him to be my first thought, not my afterthought. If that's you today, I want you to slip up your hand and just hold it up for just a quick second so I can see it. Yeah. 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 Anybody else? If you raised your hand today, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. And not just it's not just about the words, but I want you to open your heart and I want you to I want it to be a, a, a prayer between you and God today. And church family, you could join us along with us. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. That I believe you died and rose again. And that through you and only you, I can be saved and spend eternity with you. Forgive me, Jesus. Forgive me for making my life all about me. Today, I put my faith and trust in you. And I invite you to begin the transformation work in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friend, before I go, I want to pray all, for all of us uh, over this Thanksgiving weekend. But I do want to say that for those of you that raised your hand today, 
I want to encourage you after the service today, our prayer team is going to be in the front. I want to encourage you to, I know it would take a step of faith to come out of boldness, courage, to come out of your seat and to come up here. But listen, your life will never be transformed if you raise your hand and walk out this door doing the same thing, living the same way. That the transfer, the decision that you made today, the prayer is the catalyst for the transformation work that God wants to do in your life. And we want to come alongside of you in that journey. And so if you'll come down, you'll see one of our prayer team and they'll get your name and phone number. And and one of our pastoral team wants to reach out to you this week and just kind of help you kind of see what those next steps are and to help you along the way. Well, let me pray over you this morning. Pray over your... uh, your thanksgiving that uh, maybe God might stretch your, your capacity a little bit, but take all the fat grams and the calories out of it in the same, the same time. Father, we love you so much. We love you so much. And God, we're thankful for family. Lord, you've designed us all to, to have family, not just, not just a physical family, but even a spiritual family that God, as we come together on Sundays, it's, it's us kind of being connected to the spiritual family, that there's craziness even in the spiritual family, but God, it's a part of life and what you've called us to. And, and so Lord, I pray, Father, for, for every single person that's here, those that are watching online, listening to the podcast, Lord, I just pray that this holiday season would be the best one they've ever had. Lord, I pray that you would protect them if they're going to be traveling and, and going places. Lord, I pray a hedge of protection around them and for their families if they're coming, coming here. And that, Lord, I pray that the memories that are made this holiday season, Lord, would be special ones, ones that they will cherish for the rest of their lives. And God, I pray that you would use us in a special way. Lord, use us to make an impact and a difference in somebody else's life. Lord, I pray, God, that we can be a light in a dark place and that, Father, you would receive all the glory for it. For it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee, We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.